TikTok. Derek Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex Talk with Derek Miley. Hey, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. Um, Y'all are in for a treat. I'm just saying. I've got some fellow overachievers, some fellow inner badasses who who are just leading the charge in educating people about sex and diabetes. I have Janice. Roslyn Rosler. I see, you know what? I'm going to screw up names. No, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. And Donna Rice, Janice, you're a diabetes educator of the year, like 2008, 2009. That's incredible. Licensed marriage family therapist, board board certified sex therapist, certified (laughs) diabetes educator, registered dietitian, award-winning medical media producer. Donna Rice, a registered nurse, certified diabetes educator who speaks on a variety of diabetes-related topics, past president of the American Association of Diabetes Educators. I, I mean, y'all are just rock stars and, <laughs> and you've written an amazing book. So we're going to jump right into to sex and diabetes. We're going to talk about chronic illness ac- across the board too, folks. So, but welcome, Janice and Donna. Thank you for, thank you for being here. Hey, Erica, thank you for having us. We're happy to be here. Yay. I mean, I want to get really, really specific because I think when it comes to chronic illness, I mean, we could just talk about that generally, but I really want to get specific to diabetes. I myself, I I was telling uh, Janice and Donna before we started recording that I had gestational diabetes when I was pregnant with my son. So how can having diabetes affect a couple's sex life? Really, diabetes is one of the leading causes of of problems with sexuality for both men and women, especially, I would say, for men, because it's a little bit more obvious and easier and recognized in men. And the biggest reason is really because diabetes does two things really simply. It affects blood vessels and it affects nerves. And in order to really have, to be able to perform, to have an erection, to have an orgasm, you really need to have intact blood vessels and nerves. And oftentimes this happens really subtly. And over the course of the years, you know, diabetes is a progressive disease and complications are also, um, you know, they're progressive. So Oftentimes at the time of diagnosis, men will start feeling, you know, they, they're having problems, maybe numbness and tingling in their feet. They're noticing um, problems with erection. So things all of a sudden come to kind of like a, a point and it's really um, kind of dates back a little bit to um, just diabetes and not having it as controlled as we, sh- we should today. I mean, that makes tons and tons of sense. I, I work with lots of folks with chronic conditions. And one of the things we talk about is that you need good cardiovascular health. You need good veins. Exactly. You need you need to have these exactly. assessments to know that you, so that you can be healthy sexually as well. It's all system. It's all connected. Right. And it doesn't happen overnight. But the good news and the message I like to really tell them is that right now we can kind of halt the progression. And that's what we have to look at. What are the treatments now and how do we halt the progression so that you could live the quality of life that you want to? So I'll jump in with the girl stuff, (laughs) with the women, with the women. So here's the thing that's interesting is a lot of women who have diabetes don't realize that it could affect their sex life. With men, one thing that we know, women are a bit of a puzzle. With men, we know that there's a very strong relationship between their blood sugar levels and their ability to have an erection. 
if they can put in a lot of effort to help to bring their blood sugar levels down inside of a healthy range, the, their erection issues are likely to improve. And for some men, improve significantly. Women are a little bit more puzzling. Certainly, we feel better when our blood sugar levels are in a healthier range. So in terms of the swings, in terms of energy swings, makes a huge difference. But there's more than that. For women, some women have vaginal dryness, and that happens also with blood sugar swings and with having diabetes. But a, a big thing, and we know, and I know, Erica, you know this from your background with you know sex therapy, is that with women, there's, you know, we say that the uh, biggest sex organ is between the ears, your brain, and how you feel about yourself. Depression has a big relationship with diabetes and how women feel about themselves. And especially if you are having injections or you wear an insulin pump or you're testing your fingers, you may not feel that you look good. You don't want to be with anyone in bed because you might have scarring or bruising. You may have gained weight if you've got type 2 diabetes and you don't feel that you look so good. Also, we know diabetes might affect the amount of time that you need to become aroused. Women with diabetes tend to need more time. Context matters. Right. That means time to time to lubricate, time to have their body, get the whole communication thing together. But guess what? You've got to be able to speak to your partner and say, I need more time instead of just saying and not sharing your needs. So now we've got to a whole new area, which is how do you how do you Share what you need. How do you know what you need? And so communication is a big thing, feelings, but there's, there's a lot of surprises. And, and if you do take good care of your blood sugar levels, for women, that doesn't necessarily mean that they will be free of any sexual complications because we don't fully understand why women have them. They may have them because of hormonal swings and also just the fact that they have diabetes. So it's a bit of a puzzle where men who work on it get their blood sugar under you know, better management. They do better. Women could have perfect blood sugar and still have pain during intercourse. They can have you know, the vaginal dryness issues. And unfortunately, there's treatments for both men and women to really help with And, and you know, just this. to reemphasize the points that Janice made. So of course, there's physiological reasons with diabetes. But the psychosocial component, I think, is really, really powerful, too. And I think putting those together, and I think the message is, if, if people are experiencing issues, the value that somebody like Janice or, or me or you, Erica, can bring to the picture is really, really peeling back that onion and looking at both kind of the mental or the psychosocial perspectives as well as the physical perspectives, because oftentimes it could be a combination of two, or like Janice says, you know, when one happens, it spirals into a lot of different things. And we really need to kind of isolate and really look at treatments for multiple different things here. You both are are hitting on something that I that I talk with my clients about all the time that I, that I say on this show all the time. We are a fundamental system. One part is not separate from all the others, and we must be tackling all parts of this. We're talking about the mental health parts of this. We're talking about the physiological parts of this and the sexual health systems parts of this. They all work together and not separate from one another. Like culture would like us to try and do is separate these out. I'm thinking about 
how often I see people with body image issues, how often I see people with significant amounts of shame. I mean, we all been there. That diet industry is powerful, y'all. You know, what of the two of you see as far as shame and treatment of diabetes and when it comes to people having these specific sexual issues and diabetes? Well, I think there's a lot of shame in having diabetes to begin with. You know, what people don't recognize is that it's not your fault if you get it. You know, they say, oh my gosh, if you lost weight and you exercised more, you wouldn't have it. It's your fault because you eat too much or whatever. Ooh, the thing is that, yes. oh my gosh, and then relatives are mad at you and, and you go to reach for that piece of extra piece of uh, whatever at the table and you've got everyone glaring at you. The thing is, it's a very complex disease. And there are people who are significantly overweight who don't, aren't physically active at all, and they don't develop it. Why? Because for both type 1 and type 2, there is a hereditary component. There's a genetic component. You have to have the potential to get it. And then lifestyle could kick it in. It could be stress. It could be an illness. Then it could be lifestyle. But it's not it's not your fault. It's not from eating too much sugar. It's not from, you know, there's so much blame that goes on. And people take that blame with them into their relationships and into their bedroom where you feel, I've had, I've had um, clients who said, I felt I was ruining my husband's life. I had one woman say that, but you know, he should have a woman who's better to herself or not sick or whatever. You know, I mean, it's so there's that whole piece. And I was going to say, too, and I as an educator and I think Janice and I have done this for our entire careers. And it's a really, really good message to other healthcare providers that are out there. And one of the important things that you can do for people is to really tell them that, you know what? Like Janice said, it's not your fault, but I've had so many men, especially because I did run a men's health program. But when you say, you know, many of my men who have diabetes have this problem as well. So it takes the, the burden off of them and puts it on diabetes. And I've had so many men just like, just be so relieved when they get that message. And I think that's one of the best messages that we could give them is just to kind of normalize it to say that, you know, this happens to men with diabetes. Let's talk about it. And I think that just having that perspective that it's really not their fault or not something that they're doing and putting the blame on the, the disease is really, really helpful. You know, it's interesting because I'm a narrative therapist primarily. So what I like to do, <laughs> what I like to do is I like to externalize the diabetes and give it a name. And I know one couple, one couple, it was just affecting their sex life. It was affecting their relationship. When they wanted to go out as a couple, she wasn't feeling well, or she had to stop and check her blood sugar, and he had to wait, and they were late to the party, or, you know, she had to take food ahead. You know, I mean, just a lot of stuff. So there was a lot of blame going on in the relationship. You're slowing us down. How come you're not ready? Why do you have to pack up all your stuff? And also in the bedroom. So what we did is we externalized the diabetes. And you make it an actual person because it really is. It's a third person in your relationship. It's you, your partner, and diabetes. And what this couple did, I, I don't know if everybody remembers, but long ago when Princess Diana was married to Prince Charles, 
Camilla was on the side, Camilla Parker Bowles, and she was the third person in the marriage. And so this couple named diabetes Camilla. So when she wasn't feeling well or when she was late or when she wasn't lubricate, you know, had to jump out of bed to, buy, to go open a bottle of lubricant because she forgot to bring her vaginal lubricant into the bedroom, you know, so oops, I'll be right back type of thing. They said, oh, it's Camilla. It's Camilla. And, you know, we want to take care of ourselves and we have to care- take care of ourselves even if it is Camilla. But it became a joke, and the blame wasn't on the person with the diabetes. It was on Camilla. Camilla's, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired. Camilla's particularly strong today, and I'm having a hard time pushing her away. So, you know, I like the externalizing. And then, you know, you remove the blame. You both have someone to kind of pick on. And then you can love each other, two against Camilla. And when Camilla's in the bedroom with you, you're like, hi, Camilla. Nice to see you. Move over. We're busy. Yeah. Yeah. I think our natural inclination with so many things that we struggle with, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's uh, what, what have you, diabetes, any other chronic condition, like everyone around it is so serious about it. So what you're talking about is essentially, it's kind of like a cognitive diffusion technique that I use from like ACT. And so the acceptance and commitment therapy for our listeners out there, like being able to say, okay, this is that thing over there, using a little absurdity, making it a little funny, so that it doesn't attach that shame directly to your identity. Absolutely. And I, and I love doing that. And it really, you know, you can feel whole and not feel damaged. And that's one thing that happens with all with a lot of chronic issues is that the person who deals with it who has to live with it feels less than, feels damaged in some way. And then you start to actually buy into this and blame yourself. And this way you blame Camilla. Camilla's a pain in the butt, but she's living with you. You didn't invite her. She came and here she is. That family member you wanted to leave the house, but exactly. will not leave. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe we could sneak out and she won't see us. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. You could really see the conversation change. So I think as a, a nurse and counseling people, and I know Janice, you too, the conversation changes. People settle down, they listen, they relax, and then they kind of know that there's hope. And I think that's the message that we also, that there is hope and there are treatments and we could restore some of the, you know, you're not going to be 21 again, but there is hope. And I think that these are all such great messages for your audience. <sighs> yes, absolutely. 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 So like, how can people, I think this is really important across the board, regardless of what field you're in, regardless of how you are listening to this podcast today, how do you ask healthcare providers about sexual challenges when it comes to whatever chronic condition you have? Well, you know, you know what, I'll tell you the hardest thing is that not every healthcare professional, remember, they're human. You know, they're not, they sometimes feel like aliens, but they're humans. And as a human, in our culture, we struggle with talking about certain topics. Actually, Don and I met at a CDC conference in Miami, and I had asked the entire room, I don't know, there are a few hundred people. I said, how many of you ask your patients, your clients about their sex lives? How are they doing and all that? And literally three hands kind of creeped up. 
And it was I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. And there and there in all fairness, there's a lot of other things, especially when you're dealing with chronic diseases of any type. There's a lot of stuff that you have to take care of in a very short period of time. You've got, you know, what are you eating now? You're taking medication. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And with diabetes, checking your feet and all this stuff. Sex is way down, even though it's such a, to me and to, and I know to Donna, we believe that the sexual piece is so central not just because it's a quality of life issue, but a lot of healthcare providers assume that a person's partner is going to support them, help them make food, uh, healthy food choices. If maybe they do the food prep, maybe they need support with uh, physical activity every day and saying, yes, it's okay that some of our money is going to your gym membership. But guess what? If in the bedroom things aren't okay and you're mad, and you're angry and you feel, I, I know, you know, one couple, when the man couldn't get an erection, his partner thought that he was having an affair. It, you know, you don't love, you don't, you're not attracted to me, you know, didn't fully didn't understand what was going on. So when you're angry in the most intimate part of your relationship with the most intimate person in your world, you're really going to go reading labels when you go grocery shopping on their behalf. You know, so I think everything starts here. Everything starts here. And that's why we think it's critical. Okay, so you asked how to talk. Well, first of all, figure out what you want to discuss and don't be shy. Do not wait for your healthcare professional to bring it up because in all likelihood, he or she will not. So say you can, and at the beginning of the appointment, say, I have something I want to talk to you about. Or you can even hint, I have something personal I want to talk to you about or private, especially if you're uncomfortable and you don't want to actually say the words, hopefully they'll be sensitive enough to get that this might be going into the bedroom. Pick up what you're putting down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if they don't, then you have to say, I really want to talk to you about what's going on in the bedroom. I mean, you can talk around it to your comfort level. That's great from the person perspective. And we need to really educate our consumers on really being kind of outspoken and really saying what's going on. But for the healthcare providers there, I mean, we talk about this person centricity, but yet when somebody comes in, the first thing we focus is on is blood sugar, blood sugar, not the person. And it's really coming from the person's perspective. What is bothering you today? What do you want to discuss with me? How can I help you today? What are your key issues or concerns? That I think opens up the door too. So I think as healthcare providers, we need, or the healthcare providers out there really need to really kind of be, you know, think about how they're communicating and what they're communicating to the people. And are they really, you know, providing the best service to them? And how could they maybe turn the conversation so that they are opening up the conversation for what really matters most to the people? Yes. Healthcare providers, are you listening? (laughs) Healthcare providers, therapists, are you listening? (laughs) She just said that person-centered place, like quality of life. What can pleasure do to change a person's life with chronic illness? A shit ton. Well, and also I do want to add from the healthcare professional's perspective is I, I know your time's limited. And I know that you have things that you have to do that maybe you've been directed to by another healthcare provider. Fine. Be honest about that. So if you want to say what, you know, like Donna suggested, what can we talk about today? What has meaning for you? What's really on your mind? But I do want to let you know, I will make time for it. 
I also need to take care of X, Y, and Z, and that I must get done. That's okay. It's really okay. Be honest about it. Don't let that totally dominate the conversation, and then you don't get your job done. It's okay to say, this is what I can do. And if we need an additional conversation or if we need to, if I need to send you something to read, I'll follow up and do that. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to be, you know, to share that. But the other thing I want to mention is I do have a story about a gentleman I was working with and I had asked him about his, you know, because I always brought up the sex piece. And he said that he had, hadn't had sex with his wife for 10 years. What happened is initially he lost his erection. He did bring, got the courage to say something to his doctor. And the doctor said, okay, I'm going to give you a prescription for Viagra. He gave him the prescription and it didn't work. And the guy just thought, I guess that's what diabetes is all about for me and I'm never going to have I it have again. To get, I have to and give up a it. sexual life. Right. And some people do. They accept it. They go, listen, at least I have my eyes and my kidneys. Okay. I can walk, you know, I have my legs. So they say, okay, small price. Not really, but you know, anyway, the healthcare provider never asked, how are you doing? How was that prescription? Never followed up on it. And he was too shy to bring it up again. Now, the one thing about that we know about diabetes is in terms of men, those pills, Levitra, Cialis, Stendra, and, you know, Viagra, they only work in about 60% of men with diabetes. So in all likelihood, you might be one of the people that it doesn't help. There are many other treatments to try. Don't be shy about saying, Doc, it didn't work. That doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you have to have a new conversation. And Penis havers, are you listening? Penis havers, are you listening? <laughs> it's not that you may, you may very well be experiencing something that that six only 60%, like, yes, that may sound like a lot, but when you're thinking about a medication who that is so widely prescribed, like that number, people pay attention. Absolutely. And too, you know, what we find a lot is they don't know how to take it and they're not giving correct directions. So I think that could be an, another thing to explore. So that's why the beauty of having some one-to-one conversation is about these issues. And who, who, who do they talk to today? I mean, your visits are about three or four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe 10 minutes. And it really becomes a huge issue, the communication, the know-how, the directions. Or you go to the pharmacy and on the bottle it says, take as directed. Well, nobody directed me. How, how do I know how to take it? So there's a lot of, I think, education, a lot of great messaging that we can do to really like improve health and improve um, quality and, and um, success rates as well. Right. So I have a cute story. There was this gentleman who went to his doctor. They had a discussion about his problem with his erection. The doctor gave him a prescription for Viagra. And so the guy took it and it didn't work. So the doctor who happened to be on the ball and was communicating said, well, how are you taking it? What are you doing? He goes, well, I'm following the directions. And he said, okay, you're taking it at the right time. You're taking it, you know, as it says on the label, but what are you doing once you swallow the pill. And the guy said, I don't know. I'm just sitting here and I'm reading a book about growing tomatoes. And the guy, the doctor started laughing. You need something to turn you on externally when you take the pills. The pills aren't magic. So if you're going to read a book on growing tomatoes, 
even though you took the pill, you're not going to get turned on. You need to have some type of stimulation. You need to have some type of, you know, uh, visual. Where's the erotic story about growing tomatoes? (laughs) There might be, but he didn't have that book. And I mean, so, the sexy gardeners. I like, think there must be. Come there on, must be. we Maybe, need some desire in here. Yeah, <laughs> or, or write the book about the sexy tomatoes. But the, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, he didn't know that he should be viewing erotica, watching erotica, or being with his partner and having some type of, you know, experience, massage, doing something that was helping him get turned on because you have to help it. So if you go, oh my gosh, you know, we expect pills to work magic and they don't. So, so, so oftentimes I get a lot, I get lots of questions. So I have a segment called ask Erica and, um, the question I get a lot and I, and I think this would be a good one for, for the three of us to talk about is Erica, I have a chronic condition. I have, uh, I have RA or I have lupus and I struggle to find like a lubricant that works for me or a toy or a sex toy that actually is helpful to me that it, it doesn't, it's not too harsh on my body. So I would love to know that if, if the two of you have some suggestions around lubricants or toys or what other ever products that might be helpful for people with chronic conditions, specifically with diabetes, that would aid them. Well, I'll tell you, first of all, there's so many lubricants on the market. So it's really test. You know, the one nice thing is a lot of the companies will send you samples. Um, you know, if you buy one, they may throw in some samples of different brands. There's some that have flavors. There's some that are actually more viscous, they're thicker, where you use less, but you have a better thickness in terms of it lubricating more. Some warm up, some tingle, you know, depends what's in there. So it's really a matter of personal preference, kind of observe what you have. In terms of toys, there are some toys that are a little bit gentler. You want ones that you might be able to adjust rather than something that fits on tightly. But it really, it's all so personalized. And I really think that it's a matter of experimentation and being open to it and being open, you know, it depends what you want. Sometimes it's the masturbatory technique. It's the masturbation technique you're going to use. You know, you may not want to use something where you're actually inserting the penis and it's very tight. You may want to use your hand and be able to have a gentler stroke. You may want to instruct your partner on how to do it. One thing that's really helpful is is masturbation and, and observing what you like and what works for you and then telling your partner what you like. And if you have a hard time, then, you know, that's where the eye language comes in. I feel blank when blank. What I need is blank. And fill in those blanks. And it's not coming from a critical part like, why don't you touch me the way I want? Because then you're throwing out this negative, you know, what kind of partner are you? You're letting me down. But but really take the time to masturbate slowly. Give yourself a, a private space. I once heard someone say it was so nice. Make a date with yourself. Take a shower. Put on cologne or put on perfume. You're having a date with yourself. Brush your teeth. And and really give yourself an hour to just relax. And remember, it's not all about the body parts, the vulva and the penis. It's about the neck and the arms and the ears and the thighs. It's your whole body. And if you want to get into tantric breathing, 
where you're looking into each other's eyes and maybe putting your hand on his, on your partner's chest and they put their hand on your chest. And it's just a matter of breathing for six minutes and feeling that connection. Sometimes when you're more relaxed, your body response is different. And then you can direct them with your hand. You can direct them with your words and the situation will be different. Other lubricant that's fun is food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you want to put in, add food to it, that's something else. But really making it fun and getting away from the performance piece of it and the, and all of that and let it be. The bedroom to me is a, is an adult playground. It's, it's your sandbox and let the emphasis be on connecting and having fun and pleasuring each other in terms of massage and in terms of head massage and back massage and foot massage and everything. Not all about, you know, penis, clitoris, vulva, you know, where do my fingers go? Where do my hands go? Performance, performance but connecting with someone you love and feeling good. And the other thing, I don't mean to keep going on and on. I, I don't know if you've learned, you know, studied this yet in your program, but the whole uh, Dr. Rosemary Bassan mm. has a whole new approach to female sexuality that she launched in 2000, which is so beautiful. We always thought that women and men were similar, which comes from Masters and Johnson, where you have kind of climbs up and you plateau and you orgasm and then you go down. Women don't function like that. We can go through any doorway and have a good time. We can get involved with sexual activity just because we're bored. We can do it just because we want to make them happy, you know, our partner happy. We can do it just because we want to relax and have fun. And if we don't orgasm, we can be quite satisfied because we enjoyed the whole experience. If we orgasm, that's good too. But really realizing that there's so much more to the sexual experience and and get it away from, you know, yes, you can use toys, but if they're not comfortable, use your hand, use food, have fun. Exactly. Yeah. And and really, I can remember doing a program, we called it Discovery, and it was really looking at alternative ways to really express sexuality and to enjoy it too. And like the use of feathers is another one and just Mm. experiment doing something different and taking the taking the emphasis off the erection or the orgasm and, and like Jana says, enjoying yourself. So don't underestimate the value of different objects or, di- or different, you know, play toys or whatever, just to, to experiment and to enjoy each other. And I think that that really, I think, helps kind of open up those communication doors and just your feelings change. And it just, I think, really can improve def- definitely a lot of different things. Pleasure is pleasure, and there's so much variety is what I'm hearing both of you say, and it's okay to seek it out, folks. Again, again, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. So uh, how do people find the two of you in the world? You are both amazing human beings, (laughs) and they all want to know how to find you. Oh, ask my grandchildren. I'll be in the park. No, anyway. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yes. Um, I do have a website. I'm, I do apologize that I'm not as at, I, you know, my, I'm actually closing my private practice soon just because hubby's getting part-time. I'm reaching retirement. I'm going to work on another book. But I do speak and I write. I have a lot of columns. I write for yourtango.com. 
I also have a website, which is Dear Janice, J-A-N-I-S, DearJanice.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm too old for Instagram. I'm, too, <laughs> I'm, I'm not too old for Instacart, but I'm too old for Instagram. No, what's, so, your Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? It's Dear Janice. At Dear, Dear Janice. Yeah, at Dear Janice. Well, I used to have a national advice column that was in all the doctor's offices called uh, Dear Janice. And I did columns and can you, if you have diabetes, can you um, go scuba diving? If you have diabetes, can you go to hot tub? So I had all these cool questions. But so really that's, uh, you know, and also I hope people will enjoy this new book that Don and I put together, which is Intimacy and Diabetes. And it's an ebook. So, you know, you can read it anywhere on your reader. And look at me not introducing the book first. So That's y'all listen, okay. intimacy okay. and diabetes, it's out there for you. Buy it, get it. It's an ebook. You can get it on any of your tablets. And so Donna, how do people find you in the world? Same way. I, I really use my email address and um, I still communicate with, you know, individuals who are having problems. I do have Twitter at Donna Rice One. I'm not on it just because I'm so busy, but I, I do answer it and certainly Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Very active on those. Very good. What's that email address for folks? Donna Rice CDE at Gmail. Awesome. We appreciate both of you being here with us. Oh, I appreciate your program. So exciting and your audience. Yeah. I'm fun. Yeah. And I, we're really proud of what you do because I, I could tell you when I first started back in my sexual health program was in 1993 and there was not one piece of educational material. I had to invent everything myself, couldn't advertise anything, couldn't say anything on the radio. It was so taboo everywhere. And it was really interesting, all the barriers. And I think Janice, we're very much the pioneers in this, I think in, in our, in our profession. And we've, put up with a lot of like, you know, how could you do this? And, you know, we're not going to have you speak on that. We've put up with a lot of different things just out of just sheer fear of sexual sexuality. And it's like, we, I think we've been really pioneers and like really busting open the, the, the dam. The two of it, you so. are trailblazers for us out here. And we owe Thank you both you. a debt of grav- gratitude. Yeah. So we're glad to see you carrying on this tradition. When Don and I wrote our first book, which was called Sex and Diabetes, we were told, I was told that I, we could only use the word masturbation once in the entire book. I remember the publisher took me aside and said, please write it as if you're writing for your grandparents. So don't put shower with a friend. Don't put whatever. We couldn't put any same sex information. The one thing that we're so thrilled about with this, with our new book, Intimacy and Diabetes, is we worked very hard to limit the binary language. We have examples of all variety of different types of combinations of couples. It's just because that's who the world is. And we a lot of restrictions now, thank goodness, are gone. And all of this is being welcomed. And we really appreciate it. I mean, a little binary language is in there because we're speaking about medical things. And there are some differences between certain male issues and female issues physi- physiologically. So we had to do that. But... In terms of language, it's funny because we took, you know, we were writing it and the editor kept the grammarian at the publishing house, kept returning it with everything corrected. When I kept using their and they and then they'd keep sending it back and it's him and her and I'm like, no, I want it, you know. (laughs) You're like, I use those words intentionally. (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. Hello. They go, oh, we didn't know what you were doing, you know. Yeah, because it's Janice made 
Yeah, great point on masturbation. And just to toot her horn, she had a brilliant idea. And this was back in, I think it was 2007 when we launched our first books. So Jocelyn Elder, she called her up and she actually answered the phone, bless her heart, and she did the foreword to our book. So I thought that that was brilliant. Yeah, it was really cool. We really thank her because she was, you know, the first one to be out there publicly on sexuality and masturbation and all of that. And um, just to have her, you know, a former U.S. Surgeon General on the forward of, of our book was like amazing. So that forward is in our second book. She got in a lot of trouble for telling everyone to masturbate. You're probably too young, Erica, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, these listeners out here need to know this. They need oh, to know like, that these barriers existed and still in so many ways still exist. How we see this now, how we see this now is through oftentimes through like social media ads, being limited on what we can post, getting posts taken down and advertising sex therapy practices, all those kinds of things. We still have these limitations. And so the listeners need to know it because they need to know that they're being limited on the health information they fundamentally need. Absolutely. And the barriers today are a little bit different and they're still focused on sexuality, but now on the gay community and those things now critically have like tons of barriers. So I think we're, even though we fought one battle, now your generation is really fighting another battle and we're here to help with that. But I, I just see there's just so many fronts that, I mean, Things change, but then they don't change, right? Like, <laughs> we keep doing this thing. We keep doing this cycle You know, like you said, like the whole gender issue, gender, gender exploration. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing, but I really think that we have to be open to it. And actually, Donna and I are speaking this later this summer about intimacy and diabetes to a group, uh, a national conference of healthcare of diabetes healthcare providers. And one thing that we're going to address is the issue of being open to gender, however anyone wants to decide who they are, gender experimentation and gender fluidity. That's something that needs to be discussed because we're, and you know, you go into your doctor's office and it says sex, male, female, check one box, check the other. So we're, we're working at it too. So you can imagine the barriers with gender issues and diabetes and chronic disease, because we focused on chronic disease. So coupled that with some of the other things that are happening today, I mean, you can imagine that we have a, I mean, healthcare providers need to still open up. And I I think we're not there yet. And now we have more barriers. So it's going to be more education. And really, we need to just keep pushing. We'll Again, get- thank you. I mean, honestly, thank you both for, for being here with me today. And listeners, y'all got a treat. Thank you for sticking around to the end. And you can find, I will make sure everything and a link to the book and everything is in the show notes. Go out and buy it. Get it, get it, get it. Again, everyone have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter. See you all next time.